Okay. I think we're doing this. All right. Yeah, baby. So here's the deal. Um, this is the Q2 recap, and we're going completely commando. We, um, this is, uh, as you know, our Hustle CMO, Andy Shaw, is joining me for this one in lieu of Yan. I'll explain why in a minute. Hey, Andy, how's it going? You're doing well, sir. Thank you. Uh, do you want to, no one can see this necessarily, but do you want to explain why <laughs> your background on Zoom is a picture of our friend Eric Miller? Well, uh, for those who have listened to the Pods and Sounds episodes that I have appeared on over the years, I, I tend to name drop you and the Hustle podcast, <laughs> almost intentionally, some might add. Uh, you know, the first one or two times I appeared on a show it was unintentional, and then it started to be a running gag. So then we had to, I had to figure out ways to work you in. Yeah. Uh, we were supposed to have done that Prince review Oh, gosh, what was that about six, seven months ago? And you were going to be on it. And then you had to bail. And I'm like, oh, well, this is perfect. I can work John in because now he's not going to be on here. So so Eric's like, Andy, what, what are your favorite Prince songs? I'm like, well, you know, John Lamoureux really turned me on to that cross song. And I never really thought too much about it until John Lamoureux of the Hustle podcast told me about <laughs> So it's only fair that I name drop Eric Miller of the Pods and Sods Network at the beginning of the show here. I love that. I love so he that you're is, doing that. So he is my Zoom background. Yeah. And, and I've our, uh, posted this. Yeah, spirit animal in a way. So <laughs> uh, here's the deal. We are going to put this out uh, as soon as we're done with no edits, no music, no nothing. Um, the reason for that is we've got to start it off with some bad news. I think uh, some of you who are friends with Yan on Facebook might have seen already, but Yan's father passed away this morning. Um, here's the story. Yan's so I think I've explained how Yan and I know each other, but I'll do it again. In 1991, a couple of weeks after I graduated from high school, my dad's job took us to the UK and we moved to Cambridge. And some of you may or may not know, but when one of the cool things. There's a lot of weird things about being Mormon. One of the cool things about being Mormon is that you're immediately a member of a family. Anywhere you go in the world, you go to church, you hook up with the local Mormons, and you, are, you immediately have your tribe, have your people. It's the best. That's my favorite thing about Mormonism. So we moved to Cambridge, England, and the local congregation, whenever there's a congregation, the leader of that congregation is called the bishop. And Yan's dad, Yurik, was the bishop of our ward. And our families just became super, super close. Um, Yan, a couple of months after I moved, our family moved there, uh, went on his mission. And then a few months after that, I went on my mission. And Yan's dad, Yurik, was one of the key figures at that point in my life to kind of help me transition from, to manhood, from being a teenager into manhood. He's one of the liveliest, most vibrant, wisest, most wonderful men anyone will ever know. And get this. I mean, it's weird enough. So my dad dies on December 30th. Yeah. And um, about a week later, Yurik sends me an email saying how sad he is about, you know, dad, my dad passing and how, um, you know, what a great guy he was and what a force and he hopes we're all okay. And about a week or two after that, Yan messages me and says that they've found fluid on Yurik's lungs. He had to get it drained. 
it looks like mesothelioma. He had lung cancer. He was a fairly well-respected, prominent uh, scientist, and he most likely caught it in a lab. I hope I'm saying all of this right. And uh, suddenly the most lively, alive, vibrant man you'd ever know in your life has just a few months to live. And um, so he passed away this morning. And Yan, Yan's family are extremely private. Uh, we knew the last time we did one of these recaps that Yan, that he was not doing well, but Yan had chosen not to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, so we left it, he wasn't posting about it. The family wasn't really announcing it. I wasn't going public about it either. But lately when I've mentioned, you know, give Yan a little love or things are, have been tough for Yan, this is why. And Yan, as you may or may not know, lives with his parents uh, in Dunfermline, Scotland. Okay. And so they are very close, yes. And, um, and what's interesting about this is that his mom, Liz, who's another one of the greatest people I've ever known in my life, um, her health was terrible for years, uh, almost died a few different times. Finally, the last couple of years has gotten her health back and uh, now Yurik, of all people, is gone. Uh, luckily, Yan has two sisters. Uh, they were have been there in the house with them. They've all been together. Um, apparently, Yan had run to the store to get some antibiotics when Yurik officially passed away. But I've been getting <clears throat> periodic updates for the last week or so because uh, it was going to be the end. So that's what's going on. That's why Yan's not here. Um, so again, if you're friendly with Yan or you are Facebook friends with him or whatever, please pass along your condolences. I can't stress it enough. Uh, Yurik Makevich was one of the finest men that has ever been. And it's unbelievable that he's gone. It's just one of these people who's a force of nature. And uh, it's shocking to think they aren't alive anymore. So that's what's going on now. Get this. Yeah, very unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. Very sad. And uh, Yans, as you guys know, he's he's not the most talkative. He kind of keeps to himself. You know, he stays. He likes to stay in the background. And so he's not somebody who's going to, you know, talk as openly maybe about this. Maybe it's a good thing you and I are the ones doing this, Andy, because yeah. I don't know how much Yan would express about it, but it is a real shame. I can only imagine how quiet that house is going to be from now on with uh, Yan and his mom living there. So get this. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, I messaged Yan and I said, you know, I can't imagine whether your dad lives or not. I can't imagine you want to be producing a podcast, silly little podcast episode this week. Do you want right. me to try and find, you want me to see if Aaron Syrett can do it for us instead? Aaron, as you guys know, did the first 18 or 19 episodes with me. It was originally he and I that started this and he's filled in periodically when Yan couldn't. And he was like, you know, I can, I can try and do it, but if you could find somebody, if Aaron could do it, that'd be really helpful. I send Aaron an email and Aaron, I explained to Aaron what happened. Aaron writes back. You're not going to believe this. My dad just died and mm -hmm. I can't do it this week because we're going to be, uh, doing a funeral and spreading his ashes. Hmm. So it's crazy. I don't know all the details of how Aaron's dad died, but can you imagine? I mean, yeah. all three of us, seven months ago, 
at the beginning of December, all three of us had perfectly healthy, fine fathers. And yep. now they are all gone suddenly, some mm. because of COVID, some because of cancer, whatever it is, they were all gone. And seven months ago, eight months ago, we had no idea this was coming. Isn't that wild? It's an incredible turn of events here. Yeah. It is. It is. So yeah. I... Um, I, that's, I wanted you to, I wanted to do this with you. Uh, I don't want to burden Yan at all with anything for yeah. at least another week or so. And uh, so that's why we're going to just do this fully commando. I don't want him to have to think about anything. You know, he's got plenty of other stuff on his mind. And, and Yan's son's name again, I forget. Um, oh, good. I'm glad you mentioned this. Nicholas. Nicholas, so yes. Because of the lockdown, they haven't seen each other in you know almost two years or whatever a oh. year and a half nicholas lives in kansas with his mom and he if i remember correctly comes out to scotland for six to eight weeks every summer and then i think they spend every other christmas together and mm. he was not able to go last year he was not able to sit they were not able to see each other over the holidays thankfully yeah. nicholas is out there right now nicholas i think just turned 15 maybe 16 something like that and um so yeah so it's you know as good as it could be they're all together and Eric's out of you know not in any pain anymore but that's what's happening it's really sad so I'll uh that's what's happening oh another thing good news I guess in Yan's world is that a few months ago right after we recorded our last recap he got a really good new job with huh. Sky Sky Television, which is like oh, the big, yeah. you know, I don't know, media company in the UK that it's like working for Xfinity or something or, you know, whatever, oh, yeah. uh, HBO or something. So that part is great. Um, but so anyway, I was last time we did one of these, I had mentioned that I had earned a trip to Bali through work. Yep. So it uh, I'm I say this very humbly. I'm not bragging in any way. I got really lucky last year. I'm in sales, software sales. And if you exceed your quota by X amount, you're in like the tippy tippy top of sales reps and they take you on an all expenses paid trip every year. And I was one of those people, thankfully. And um, the trip this year was to Bali at the end of September, all paid, all expenses paid, me and Farah. Get to go to Bali. Now we've never been to Bali. Would never go to Bali. This is a really excellent. <laughs> uh, just it's not one of those things you plan. You know what I mean? You right. really have to carve it, carve it out. So, but then about a month ago, they tell us the trip's been canceled because of <laughs> lingering COVID restrictions. Um, you know, if you were to go one on one, you could go, but taking a you know a huge a large group of people, they just with oh. the restrictions in place, they couldn't manage all of that so what they did instead was they're giving everyone the time off and a fairly large chunk of change to go do whatever trip you want to do mm. instead nice so that part's great um the sad part is that i had wanted all this time to use that trip to go to scotland one more time mm. to see the makeviches before Yurik passed away they've never met farah um I uh, and so I was just hoping and praying that Yurik would stick around long enough that we could get out there and see them one more time. 
but restrictions keep have not loosened. I mean, we could fly to the UK, but we'd have to quarantine for 10 days Oof. before you can even do anything. There's no way I can do that. So um, now, I, I mean, this sounds a total, you know, white person problem to have. But at the end of September, Farrah and I need to go on a vacation for a week anywhere within reason and money is no object. So if anyone has an idea of where we should go, please tell me. I'd like to know. As of right now, we're thinking about going to Amsterdam and Brussels. Um, we went to Hawaii a couple of months ago. So a tropical beach vacation is not really what we're in the mood for right now. Yep. We're thinking about Croatia. We're thinking Jeez. about Prague. We're not sure. Wow. So any if anyone has strong opinions about this, please let us know. We're thinking Europe, Eastern Europe, that kind of thing. Hmm. Have now, you ever don't been you... over there? Uh, I have not, but uh, my wife's been to Europe numerous times. Um, Amsterdam's one of her favorites. She loves Iceland and wants me to go with her. Uh, so that's our next. She had gone with her mother a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, gosh, where else to go? Italy, but I don't know what the COVID, you know, that's what's going the on issue. with COVID over yeah. there. So there's, you know, every about half the countries are open and about half are not. Um, Italy, Farrah and I have both been to Italy before. Humble so, Greg. Well, <laughs> I guess. Oh, we've been to Italy, <laughs> Andy. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, oh, true. Okay. So silly. <laughs> oh, John Lamoureux. <laughs> that's Ken Mills's. That's my impression of Ken Mills doing an impression of me. Um, anyway. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Farrah did a study abroad there. And I've been there once on like a backpacking through Europe trip in college. So we're probably, we're thinking of something we haven't been to before. Iceland was on the table, but I guess by then it's kind of not peak season. It's sort of in between. So anyway, if anyone has ideas, what they, what they think we should do, let's do it. Sure. Um, now tell us about yourself, Andy, what's going on with you? Well, well, first of all, we need to treat this like a, a normal hustle episode, John. So I'm calling from my house in Northeast Minneapolis. <laughs> I, I, I have no David Bowie stories. I'm very sad to report. And I have never been to Salt Lake City, nor have I been in a hot tub with groupies in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. I will talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks for everything, Andy. <laughs> Thanks for making my that, life that, better. That's, that's a normal hustle episode. <laughs> that do, kind do of is. That's. Pretty much everything in a nutshell. Is there a Bowie connection? Is there yeah. any, you know, graphic sexual stories uh-huh. you can share? And have you been to Salt Lake? And yeah. do you know how much I love you? Thank you very much. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. <laughs> that's my template for all these interviews. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, what am I up to? Gosh. Uh, well, as you know, but not many people know, because I kind of kept this on the down low. I uh, ended up getting COVID um, at the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. That, that was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, so, uh, the Thursday before Memorial day, I, I felt like I was getting a cold. So, and my wife's a nurse, uh, and she also has an autoimmune disease. So we're very up on pro we are up on the protocols with masks and the hand sanitizer. Like you wouldn't believe just not only from her job, her fear of bringing it home from the clinic she works at or her getting it and the autoimmune disease lupus not going well with uh, covid so here i'm the one who ends up bringing it home (laughs) 
Um, so like I said, I felt, I didn't feel well on Thursday night. I felt like I was just a cold. And then Friday morning I wake up and I go, Oh, this is, this isn't good. I better not go into work. Cause I've been going into the office since late March. Cause I had been vaccinated. So I got the two shots of the Pfizer uh, vaccine. First one at the end of March. And then the second one, two weeks later, didn't really have any side effects. When I got them, I was a little tired the se- on the second shot but nothing like i've heard you know some reports and then excuse me like i said i woke up that friday morning i'm like i better stay home i don't want to pass this along even though there's only you know a dozen people in the office that an office building that holds a thousand Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then saturday morning woke up and it was the flu like i had never experienced in my life really Um, give us specifics uh, okay. So, you know, the, the weird thing is I never did lose the sense of taste or smell. Mm-hmm. I did not eat for three days straight. Uh, and I only lost two pounds, which I find is a travesty. What a, that sucks. If you don't eat for three days, that's a five pound minimum right there. <laughs> Come on, work with me here, people. Uh, all I was sustaining myself on was water and Gatorade. Um, and even that, I just no, no appetite, uh, some gastrointestinal disruptions, mm-hmm. okay. a <laughs> uh, little bit of vomiting, but not, not bad, but uh, sweating like you would not believe. Mm. So I would have to change my t-shirt two to three times a day. Wow. Cause I would just sweat through it. So I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning and my t-shirt would just be soaking and I yeah. would have to just throw it down in the hamper and go get a new one. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was incredibly, uh, are you sleeping more than you would? Yeah, sure. I mean, are (laughs) you like sleeping 12 hours a day or Uh, not uh, able to get out of bed or what are you doing? I was sleeping most days, 10 to 12 hours Mm -hmm. on Memorial day, which is that Monday I slept 14 hours. So I, I had no energy. I was totally zapped of all, you know, strength. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's kind of a dream come true for me to kind of like, oh, I'll just lay home in bed and catch up on Netflix. Sure. And uh, there's a, there was actually a pretty good uh, documentary about uh, DeLorean with Alec oh, Baldwin. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt I kept falling asleep to it. So it took me four <laughs> tries to get through this damn movie because <laughs> I would, you know, catch the uh, first half hours conk out. Mm-hmm. Wake up an hour later and like, oh, I missed the whole damn thing. You know, go back, play it again. <laughs> right right um and then so then we we get to monday memorial day and i'm in finance and we have to do our month in closing of the books and we're a very small team and my boss and i have only been back at the company work for for about a year she doesn't know my job i'm the only one who knows it so i'm sitting here dreadfully sick with covid and i'm doing all my job on the the night of Memorial day, mm-hmm. you know, I'm up till midnight trying to get all the reports ready. Cause I have to send stuff to our accounting and finance teams. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I, I would just basically log on every morning, do about an hour of emails. Cause I would have to answer mm-hmm. questions for people and then just go right back to bed. Mm-hmm. And then finally, by that Friday, uh, I was, I was feeling well enough that I could work from home for the whole day. So now I did have friends that did get COVID last year before the vaccines and they were out 
10 to 12 days. Mm. Now, me having been fully vaccinated, you know, I only really had it for about six, mm. seven-ish days mm-hmm. and, and not as bad as what some people have told me stories about. Um, but weren't the effects kind of lingering for a while? I mean, so that's, well, I'm glad you asked that. So yeah. that was, that was the, the sweating and the, yeah. um, you know, all that uh, six or seven days. Well, then in Minnesota here, where I'm at, we had, uh, we're in the middle of a drought, as I'm sure you guys are. And that's when we started hitting like 93, 95 degrees Fahrenheit every day for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was just kind of wiped out going outside um, and like just walking, trying to get some fresh air. And I just thought the heat was just, you know, beating me down. Mm-hmm. And then the, the temperature subsided and went back to, you know, eighties, a little more comfortable. And I still was just run down. So for the entire month of June, I would basically just get up every morning, go back to work. Once I was, you know, mm-hmm. gave it some time to clear, go to work, do my, my job, come home. My wife would make dinner. I would eat maybe a quarter to a half of whatever she made. And then I would just sit there at the table zoned out mm-hmm. um, in my own little world. Um, yeah. No appetite. I ended up losing 10 pounds in the month of June. There you go. Uh, unfortunately, I've started to gain a back. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> regain, my, <laughs> regain my strength here, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but even, yeah, for the, for the entire month, I was wiped out. I mean, I was, I usually am a night owl, as you probably know. I was in bed by about nine o'clock every night, um, just passed out. And, and that was really for the entire month of June. So, and, and a little bit of depression, I must say. And you know me, John, I'm a, I'm a, the glass is three fourths full kind of. Guy. Totally. Absolutely. Um, so not much gets me down. And even I was kind of just ho-hum. Yeah. You know, my son graduated from high school. We're at the ceremony and I'm just like, why am I not yeah. pumped up a little more about right. this than I should be? Right. So I'm, um, you know, you try to put on a good face and Hey, yeah, this mm-hmm. is great. And um all meanwhile it's like i just want to go home and go to bed yeah oh it's a shame such a shame i'm glad you're okay and yeah i mean the 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 story here is that this all came post vaccine which is quite shocking i mean you're part of that what like two percent or whatever Uh, the pfizer what i've read is about five percent um rate but people will still get it okay now, when I, because I did talk to my doctor a, a couple of times, um, and he said, you know, you know, the you have all the symptoms except the the taste and the smell. And he goes, I've had a couple patients because oh, I did get two COVID tests and both tests came back negative. Wow. Um, but he said, you know, he had patients that they had all the symptoms and still would throw a negative test. Um, so do we know for sure this was COVID or could it have been something else that's similar? Like I said, this was the flu on steroids. Yeah. So, and, and I got a flu shot Okay. Uh, at the beginning of the season, as I always do. Cause like I said, I, uh, and luckily my wife and my son, my <laughs> wife was vaccinated back in January when all healthcare workers could. And my son was just vaccinated probably a month before. Mm. Um, and just, I'm just thankful neither one of them got it. Cause like I said, the first day or two, I just thought it was cold and we just kind of interacted in the house and we we're in a small household, you know, 
Um, so as soon as I, like I said, I started going downhill on Friday, my wife said, you can have the bed because you've already infected it. <laughs> I'll go sleep out on an air mattress in our living room. And I'm like, no, no, I can go do that. Yeah. She's like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll take the air mattress. You go have the bed. Right. And, and John, like I said, I was sweating so badly. I had the door closed just for, you know, I didn't yeah. bother anyone. My son came in to check on me. He goes, what well, stinks in here? <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm sweating, sweating my ass off here. <laughs> so, wow. so I, I so uh, yeah. And then and, and all three of us have the same doctor and he's a great guy. So we're actually kind of friendly with him. And, and he, and I had two video conference chats, you know, appointments with him. And, and he said, yeah, it's, it, he thinks it's gotta be COVID. He said, you, you have all the symptoms except the, the taste and the smell. Um, you, mm-hmm. I know you had the negative tests, but he goes, I've had patients, I've seen patients in the last year. That's the same thing. Yeah. So. Wow. And, well, and yeah. Uh, okay. And I would, I would have gotten the, the vaccine. I would step up in a heartbeat to get the vaccine again and do it all over. Like, sure. like I had now I did kind of keep it on the down low. Uh, I told you and Ken mm-hmm. uh, and then just, you know, my immediate family. Right. But I have some some distant family members on Facebook who uh, are down with the queue, and I'm not talking yeah. about the guy who does the gadgets for James Bond. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a crazy uncle, as we all do, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's uh, he's got to be in his late 60s, and he's still. I'm not getting the vaccine. Yeah. Well, who needs that? Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, your buddy Trump is the guy who uh-huh. pushed for it. And right. it's his miracle cure that we pushed through and we cut all the red tape and got the vaccine in the people's hands and two yeah. years ahead of all the other vaccines. And this is great. And, and even my wife said, you know, when uh, her clinic, when they were getting the vaccine back in the beginning of the year, the, the first doctor in line was the big Trump supporter. Really? You know? So he, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Because he knows, he, you know, he's a healthcare work, healthcare sure. worker. He knew that that the, the quickest way to get past all of this and get it in the rearview mirror is to mm-hmm. get vaccinated. Absolutely. So I, at, at this point, I'm my mind is still blown that people don't want to do it. You know, I don't understand it either. I mean, it's uh, I've seen you probably have too. I mean, there's millions of memes about this, it, and it's oh, yeah. it ends up. I mean, just to speak religiously a little bit, if you're if you're a devout Christian and you don't think you think, you know, uh, for some reason the vaccine is offensive to your freedoms or your Christianity or whatever, which doesn't make sense to me. It's like when you pray for a solution or a a, a healing agent, here it is, and yeah. you're not looking at it. It you choose not to look at it. You know, it's like I was. God, I'm, I was dying and I asked you to save me and you didn't. And he's like, well, I, I sent you a parachute. I sent you a plane. I, you know, I, all these things and you didn't accept any of them. I don't know what more to tell you, you know, anyway. Now I I did see a a meme the other day and I'm, I'm, I haven't fully researched it. And whenever I see crap on Facebook, I always do a, a deeper dive before I start reposting all this. So I have not, uh, you know, done the validity check on this, but I would say that this was rather funny. It was a new uh, political cartoon from the 1920s Mm. um, where I think it was talking about the vaccine for smallpox. 
and it and the the same argument and it was the same arguments you know of of not getting the vaccine and and the the quote underneath was you know this has been the same thing every time ridiculous so i don't know but what enough, you need yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you're the third person i know who who's lost a parent in the last year i i'm really? sure you, yeah well you know our, our mutual friend christine yes she lost her that's mother. right that's right i forgot about that yeah uh, you and i'm i'm blanking on the third one uh, at the moment here i'm sorry okay. <laughs> okay. my friends who i forgot yeah um, um yeah it uh, it's crazy i it, as you've probably heard it comes up a lot now and in the interviews because people yeah. will say one thing or another about it and uh i feel weird not mentioning it and then everyone's so sweet and sympathetic about it and uh i i we are one of those statistics and so anyone yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the most active on twitter i should say i'm not the most proactive on twitter i'm rather reactive on twitter and it ends up being a lot of <laughs> political stuff so if you follow me on there you may not see me post very much, but you probably see my com my comments on ignorant people's political posts that are like, oh, this isn't real, or it's a one of them, somebody the other day said it was a cold or whatever, and that just makes me insane. I'm so, I get so mad, but anyway. But we'll move on, yeah. We don't uh, yeah, want to do, do two hours on COVID. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. Um, okay. I want to mention a couple of things real quick uh, that some friends of ours are involved with this. If you want to join in, first of all, um, so I think the guy's name is Mark, but there is a podcast out there called 80sography and um, it is excellent. And so far he, uh, the host who, again, I think his name's, we interact all the time, but I only know him from his, I think his name's Mark, but he only, I, we only ever talk, you know, because I know him as 80sography. Anyway, he um, recently did a giant um, multi-part retrospective on Tears for Fears. Talked mm. to several of the same people we have. I, again, this is something I say very humbly. Uh, he used a lot of our interviews to, uh, as like resources for his interviews. He got several people I couldn't get. Um, mm. It's really excellent stuff. And he, in some ways I couldn't be prouder. And in other ways, I'm so jealous because he talks to people that I want to talk to. So anyway, if you're interested, it goes beyond, there's some Elton John in there. There's, uh, there's a lot of great producers and stuff, but 80sography is a fantastic podcast. And I think we helped to kind of inspire it somehow or something like that. So it's uh, worth your time if you like and that kind of thing. And unlike your uh, interview, oh God, I'm forget, I'm blanking on the guy's name now from, uh, oh, John, you do so many of these that it, it all. <laughs> they, blur. they get a little blurry after a while. Broken Wings, Mr. Mister. Oh yeah. You did the Mr. Mister guitarist. Yeah, yeah Steve George. Uh, Steve George. And, and, some, and then you were so pissed because someone was splicing that and throwing it on YouTube and not giving you credit for it. That's right. So I hope 80 sessionography, uh, at least he, he's is, been uh, great about it. He excellent. is great. Excellent. So yeah, look up 80 sography. It's good stuff. If you care about that kind of thing. And then another one, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Joe powers, you know, for a while there, I was doing those daily polls, right. Oh, yeah. And I miss those. Those were a lot of fun for whatever reason. Uh, Facebook took that poll option away yep. and I found it. It's still there, but it doesn't look the same. 
I can't see what the results are or who, who is voting for what. And I don't think it allows me to vote. It's very weird. It's just not as uh, user-friendly as it was before. Uh, I wish it was because I'd go back. I love that. That was a really fun exercise yeah. to keep everyone engaged. So Joe uh, has started his own Facebook page called Who Do We Like Better, which is yep. what we I used to do. And uh, sometimes a couple times a day, he'll post a poll. Who do we like better? And it's um, anyway. So if you if you like that, which I hear from a lot of people who are like, bring that back. Um, I wish I could in the same form that it was. Go join his Facebook page if you want, and because uh, he makes it fun. Um, let's see. You uh, okay? So there have been some other podcast appearances of mine, but I think they were all in the last month. Technically, I guess I should promote them on the next recap, but I'll just say real quick. One of them I put out is our own, which was me on that. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the exact name. Uh, the music of our youth on pretty much pop. That was the name of the podcast. And we just talked about, do we ever really truly outgrow the music we loved when we were teenagers? And you kind of don't, not really. No, I I still hearken back to a lot of the stuff that was big, you know, 1987 to 1993, you know, kind of that wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, And then there was the the one host was like not even a music lover. Like he's like, Hey, I just throw it on in the background. If it's, there, I know, you know, and I'm totally like, indifferent. I know totally yeah. indifferent to music. He never craves it or turns it on when yeah. he goes on long drives. He just sits in silence. I can't imagine yeah. anything more painful than that. It's yeah. terrible. So yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting conversation. And uh, the whole, the host Mark allowed me to take the file and uh, release it as one of our own. And then a friend of ours, Nick Bamback, started a podcast called Rock in Retrospect, yep. where it's, I believe, the, it may expand beyond this, but the format, it, he's only put out two episodes, and I was on the second one, is to make a case for artists we think are underserved or should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, he and I had a really long, fun conversation about Duran Duran. So, I listened to both, yes. Oh, good. Oh, thank yep. you. Good. So um, you've been on some recently, right? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm friends with uh, Baco from over at the Cobra and Fires uh, podcast. He just lives over in St. Paul. So that's a 15 minute drive for me. And we had met at uh, Rock and Pod 2. Um, and just, you know, he's had me on a couple times um, when he was doing his big grunge retrospect. I actually got to do two episodes of that. I only got to do one. That's not fair. Uh, sorry, man. <laughs> And I got to, I had to do the crappy weird <laughs> compilation one, but anyway, That's go right. ahead. Well, I, I had to do the Melvins, yeah. which I was like, Oh boy. Mm-hmm. And then he made it up to me, but let me pick any other one. And I'm like, well, I got to do the single soundtrack. Cause I love that one. So we're the best ever. Absolutely. Oh, yes. um, so he's, he's came out with this um, sun's out mics out summer kind of version just because him and his partner loose cannon were cutting back on shows due to family commitments that's why baco started the the grunge side cast the whatever never mind Mm -hmm. and then he wanted to keep it going so he invited over gene vogel who's from the disciples of the watch podcast i hope i'm saying that right more heavy metal Mm -hmm. um and it, Gene Vogel, we had done a previous episode with the three of us. Gene Vogel, one of the nicest guys. Really good. Met. I'm Facebook oh. friends with him, but I don't know him personally. Oh, you, you'd love him, John. And uh, 
you know, even though he's, he's, you know, doing a metal podcast, you know, he's posting stuff out there every day. Uh, that's a little bit more on the popular edge. Yeah. That kind of yeah. fits into the hustle. Sure. Um, and, and he's also a huge beer connoisseur. So okay. I'm always kind of getting some, like, Good for oh, you. I got to try that one. Okay. Gene, <laughs> right. thanks. Right. Um, so we had gotten together well, pre COVID because Baca was talking about Chipotle for whatever reason mm-hmm. and saying, well, maybe a bunch of guys should go to Chipotle and just do nothing but order beer. Cause they sell beer there and, and treat it like a bar. <laughs> So we actually ended up doing an episode where the three of us went to the local Chipotle and did nothing but order beer. No, no food, no chips, no burritos. And we'd each go up and take a turn buying a round of three beers. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, been to a Chipotle, it's a huge line. So I would kind of have to butt my way to the front and say, can I just get three Coronas? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the show. And I started and you know, and, and you have three guys drinking beers in a Chipotle for an hour. What are you going to talk about afterwards? That's wild. So, so I started doing my Minnesota accent. Don't you know there? Hey, John. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, John. I was up in Duluth the other weekend. And holy cripes, was it cold? I tell you, Jesus H. Christ on a popsicle stick. <laughs> And, oh, and those great. guys just loved it. So now every time Baco yeah. has me back, he's having me do the, the Minnesota accent thing. So the, so this latest episode, uh, you know, it was just the three of us talking about what are you going to do with this summer, blah, 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 and more day drinking. Uh, I think I had a few too many that day, unfortunately. And at the end, uh, we're at the beginning of the show, Baco had told me, well, we're going to do uh, bang your head by a quiet riot mm-hmm. and you're going to do you're going to sing it in the minnesota accent and i'm like but you gotta but you gotta make it funny and i'm like oh god so this you know he's telling me this like 10 minutes before we start recording uh-huh. so we do the episode then we take a break they rehearse that they both play guitar and uh, i'm like well how do i make this funny so we ran through it one time and i'm just like ad limmy the whole damn thing as a as a practice run and then we hit it again and you know i'm like oh and i have a boat and a ice house and i can fish 365 <laughs> days a year don't you know uh and i hope people find it find it funny i i i it cracks me up and Baco loves it that's why he keeps having me do it but uh it's just one of those weird little things that kind of caught on i guess that's so. great that's great very cool um Okay, let's see. We should get to the recap since that's why we're here. Oh, just real quick. <laughs> oh, Rock and Pod Expo. Um, not going this year. You're not going this year either, I don't believe, right? Uh, it's this well, weekend, no, no, I think. No, no, it's uh, oh, two weeks. Yeah, it's the begin towards the beginning of August, and and my wife had asked me, well, when are we going to go on a summer vacation? I said, oh, well, Rock and Pod is usually the middle to end of August. So she looked at the beginning of August and booked this trip to Hawaii. We're going to go to the, the Big Island. Oh. Kailua Kona, baby. Nice. And, That's uh, my place. Yeah. And uh, so we booked it. And then Chris finally released the dates. And I'm like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> we're gone yeah. that weekend. That's one because we're going to go for like 10 days. Yeah. So. Well, good. Um, we have a lot of friends that are going. Uh, Brad Page, I believe, is going. Ken Mills, I believe, is going. I hope so. Uh, Baco, yeah. Gene Vogel, the aforementioned Baco and Gene Vogel. Okay. I um, I I don't know. I I enjoyed the first two, especially the second one, so much. Yeah. And part of it was because the expo itself was great. 
But the other part of it was that sharing an Airbnb with Brian, with BJ, Eric Miller, and Greg Renoff, and the four of us talking all night long about life and music and deep, heavy subjects was one of the most satisfying weekends of my life. And I know it can't be recreated. And unless BJ is going to go and Eric's going to go, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see Brad and Ken and all that kind of stuff, but I just have this sense that it's not going to be the same. And it feels like it's a bigger, more commercial thing now, which is great. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that Chris has created a thing that's growing like this, but it also at the same time feels a little more like it just, it keeps getting more and more geared toward really the heavy metal group or, you know, industry or genre, which again is totally fine, but that's not really my sweet spot so much. And so I, um, it it just feels like some of the diversity is sort of peeling away. I'm not being in, I, it's okay, but the first couple of times they asked me to host a panel, which I loved doing, and that hasn't been the case. So it just feels like if the, if my a lot of my good friends aren't going to be there, and I don't know if it's really my crowd, and I don't really have anything to do, I don't know that I'll bother going. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, I went, uh, well, the second one in 2018 is where I met you yep. and Ken Mills. Yeah. Um, and the Eric Miller behind me yeah, here yeah. and Craig Smith from pods and Sots, And I just go it for the camaraderie. I mean, yeah. I'm not the world's biggest heavy metal guy. Uh, I, I appreciate it, but yeah. most of the acts I'm like, eh, they, they don't do much for me, but that's not really why I was going. I just had a great time talking to everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, and to hang out with Ken Mills and we were at dinner at the restaurant that's at the right. third rock and pod. And it was uh, Greg Troyan. Uh, Brad and his wife, I forget her name. Heidi. Uh, Heidi, thank you. Uh, Christine, the button queen, of course. Mm-hmm. And, oh, gosh, everyone was there. Um, I think BJ was there. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, one of the cheap trick uh, fans, Tracy Yashulis. She's okay. big on Ken's stuff. And then Julian Gill from the KISS FAQ room. And it was just, the, it was just a great dinner. And, yeah. of course, everyone from the expo would see Ken and go up to him and pretty soon, like all the other, you know, guests in the hotel restaurant are looking over and like, who's that guy over there that everyone keeps going up to and shaking his hand and taking selfies with. So, so, and, and Ken uh, was in a wheelchair uh, for just a short portion of that. So I, I pushed him through the lobby and I was like, so make, make way folks. The Podfather's coming through. Um, Right on. That's great. Well, I wish them luck. I hope it goes well. And maybe in the future, um, I'll be back to one of those. Uh, Okay, let's hurry. Let's recap these things. So as usual, we go through the last three months. Uh, So we're starting with uh, Steve Stevens deep dive of Rebel Yell, because that was the first episode to come out in April. Um, I was really proud with the way that this turned out. I so here's the here's what my thinking was at that time. I was not crazy about some of the people that I was um, interviewing. I wasn't feeling like I was having the kind of conversations I really like to have. And um, I thought, man, it, I uh, what if I put these out and no one likes them and people leave? And I thought maybe I can uh, counterbalance interviews I'm not sure of 
with really good deep dives. If I can go over, go after some of the people I've already had on. And uh, so that if an episode comes out on Tuesday that people are so-so about that weekend, they see a really solid deep dive. Maybe that will change uh, my feelings and everyone else's feelings. So I set out to get some big ones and Steve was the first and it went really well, but right around that time was when everything changed. And as most people know, we've been on a pretty awesome winning streak ever since. So I haven't gone back to deep dives. I have one in the can that's going to come out in a couple of weeks. I'll talk about that in a middle in a minute, but um, I, uh, I just kind of got a little burnt out on the deep dives. I loved them, but uh, if I'm going to put, forth all that effort and research and study, I may as well just do it for a regular episode that comes out on a Tuesday, you know, mm. but I don't know. I think, well, uh, this one was incredible because really? first you. off you're doing the rebel yell album. So you're talking rebel yell eyes without a face flesh for fantasy. What else? catch my fall. I mean, great, great, great songs. Um, and for him to break it down, with all the stories was just amazing. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, I was trying to think that's one of the beauties of the deep dives to me is that I don't know. I try to get ones that aren't already, that don't already exist. I don't know if there's a, you know, there's not an episode of classic albums or whatever on <laughs> rebel yell, but there should be. So here's oh, hell the closest yeah. thing we got, you know, we don't need and, another uh, rumors episode is your no, famous line. That's right. <laughs> we know, we know everything about Fleetwood Mac. Let's go beyond <laughs> that. So, yeah, I was really glad that Steve Stevens of all people came back and um, we got to do that one again. Cause uh, uh, that was, that was great. I was really yeah. proud of that one. You know, the interesting part I, I found about it was the intention that they put the middle, whatever, 32 bar mm. instrumental break because they knew they were going to go back and do dance remixes at some point or that interesting? potential, yeah. which is just fascinating that that's how they were thinking. Yeah. Uh, and I was also thinking who really bridges the gap between the late seventies and the early eighties, kind of that post-punk mm. going into hard rock AOR eighties than Billy Idol. It's yeah. kind of like when you had on uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, John, you do so many. I can't keep them all straight. Uh, ben caught Jane's addiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Where do, Stephen, Perkins. The, Stephen Perkins. Where yeah. do you see it go from late 80s alternative into that 90s, early 90s alternative? Jane's addiction, perfect bridge. Billy Idol, perfect bridge. Late I 70s, totally agree. Early I totally agree. Yep. And uh, Billy walked that fine line, much like the cult where they're um, played on alternative radio, but really and truly they're almost heavy metal or at least hard rock. And oh, so yeah. they, appe they appease both or they please both audiences. And um, it's just, you know, something very minute is the difference between them being considered a, something like Metallica or something like, you know, the cult, another alternative rock band. So yeah, I was really proud of how that one turned out. Um, the next one <laughs> is Gareth Jones, who was such a great producer. Primarily, uh, I sought him out primarily because of his work with Depeche Mode and Erasure. And I have to admit, I don't, I can't think of anything really unique or out of the box of that one, other than that it was good. One thing I am really glad about is um, I could not, he doesn't have like a functioning website. And so at the end, I just sort of was like, 
Hey, if you have any, what are you working on? If there's, a, I don't know, cause I can't see it anywhere. If you have something you're working on that you want to promote, please talk about it. And it just so happened that he's got this brand new album out with, I'm forgetting the name of the guy. If we were going to edit this, I'd go find it and then insert it later, but we're not. But um, anyway, he's got new music that I would never know about. So thankfully at the end, I got, he got a chance to talk about it. So anyway, great guy, great music. I got to get him back on a deep dive, but nothing too out of the ordinary for that. Yeah. One. Yeah. You know, and when it comes to erasure and Depeche Mode, I know the hits, but I've, I've never mm-hmm. you know, bought an actual album Depeche Mode. But I mean, I appreciate, yeah, I, I appreciate policy, truth, and personal mm-hmm. Jesus, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, "Chains of Love" by Erasure, one of the great songs. It is, yep. and a uh, little bit of trivia: that is our tenth biggest episode of the year so far. Oh, wow! Interesting. Yep, I did not know that. I know. Okay, so then we had Ian Anderson back for the third time. <laughs> I think you have something to say to Mr. Anderson, don't you? Well, you know, Ian Anderson and I were tied at two appearances each on the Hustle podcast, <laughs> along with Fee Way, Bill, and, and Georgia Lamoureux, I believe, as well. But because no, they're John, in the Pantheon. Yeah. No, you know, it's kind of like when Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin and John Goodman are in that little room for the, <laughs> the Saturday Night Live Club. Yeah. That's one of the best. But no, John, you had to go and play favorites and invite Mr. Anderson back uh for a third time yeah uh and i think you you've kind of mined the jethro tull story all the nuggets of gold that that are there yeah yeah so ian anderson you can suck it yeah (laughs) i'm on the third time now buddy that's right you go talk about your 10 megaton bombs falling over (laughs) in the uk which i was like really that's what he's singing about in some of these songs Uh, nuclear fallout dust (laughs) and and, he, and thank God for perestroika, because now the UK doesn't have to worry about you know ten megaton bomb blasts uh, devastating well, the yeah. And... Let's write some rock songs about it, why don't we? Hell so yeah. I uh, so okay, as I think everyone knows, Jethro Tull's "Songs from the Wood" is one of my favorite albums ever, one of the most influential albums of my life. And the very first time I had a chance to talk with Ian was like four years ago. And I got him for 15 minutes. And uh, so I didn't really get to go very deep on him. And then his people contacted me later about that book that he was putting out. And they said, they said, would you want to talk to him again? And I thought, oh, and you can have a half hour. And I thought, great, this time I can talk to him about the book and I can get more, you know, from him that I want to know. Well, Ian Anderson is a talker. And you're lucky. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And you're lucky if you get maybe like two questions in there, you know? (laughs) So after that, I was like, well, I think I'm done. And then his people came to me a third time. Now he's putting out the 40th anniversary of the A album. And this was another picture book, I think, or whatever it was. Anyway, do you want to talk to him again? And this time I was like, I don't want to just do it like we did before. Here's the deal. He can come back on. We'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about. But I want to do a deep dive of Songs from the Wood because that's really the conversation I want to have with Ian Anderson, you know? Sure. And his person comes back and says, great, let's do a deep dive. But let's do A because it's about to have its 40th anniversary. Well, A is not one of my favorite Jethro Tolo. 
Sure. You know, I mean, I like Jethro Tull, but that's not one of the top 10 I'm going to grab. It's fine, though. And it's a, it's a chance to talk. And I'm thinking, well, this is if I mean, he's such a storyteller and he's such a talker. If I can get him focused on talking about creating songs, that's more interesting than anything else. Right. Well, when he gets on the phone and I say, okay, Ian, just so, here's what we arranged. We're going to deep dive. We're going to talk about the stuff you want to promote. Then we're going to deep dive the A album. We should go about an hour. Oh, 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 oh. I don't have that kind of time. I have maybe 20 minutes. And I'm like, man, here we're doing it again. And uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I guess we just turn this into like a promo mode or something and, yeah. and uh, just talk about his, the stuff he's promoting. And so I scrap all the notes that I've been taking, that I have for the A album to do a deep dive on it. But then the guy ends up talking for nearly an hour anyway about all this other stuff. Now, I'm not complaining because I deeply, deeply love Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson. I just have yet to have the conversation that I want to have with Ian Anderson. And I'm realizing it's probably never going to happen. So... I don't, no offense to him or JT, but I don't know that we'll do this again, you know? Sure. So tell me about that flute solo. Ian. <laughs> well, I just, so, oh man. So, so you know he's a talker, right? Yeah. So do you think if Ian Anderson wasn't, you know, world famous rock star slash flute flautist. Flautist. And, yeah, flautist. And he was Ian Anderson, you know, a lorry driver from Edinburgh. <laughs> down at the pub on a Friday night, do you think uh-huh. he'd still be talking about, you know, all the <laughs> weird enchantment and stories probably. that his songs are? Probably because I, I think you probably know this, but for many, many years, his job was running like a salmon fish farm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's even like a documentary about it on YouTube that I've watched a couple of times that was like back in the eighties or something. So Yes. I mean, he's like a, he's a true Renaissance man. He could probably talk your ear off about anything, especially at the pub on a weekend. You want to know about, you know, salmon migration or, you know, spawning Spawning. rituals or whatever. He'll tell you all about it. You know, he'd probably rather talk about that than songs from the wood, but (laughs) anyway, 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So it, uh, two hours later, (laughs) Right. So that's the Ian Anderson story. I, I love him. I love Jethro Tull. I'm realizing I will never have the conversation with Ian Anderson that I really want to have. So I don't know that we'll do that again. So anyway. But you didn't get to ask him. You didn't get to ask him again about the laying in the bed after a show and drinking his beer, <laughs> watching the news. No, but I do love <laughs> quoting that whenever I ask somebody that question. Um, okay. Now we have to turn somber again because... Oh, yeah. The next guest was John Davis of Millie Vanilli, who passed away shortly after that happened. So here's the deal on this. Last fall, I fell down a huge rabbit hole trying to find out who really sang on those Millie Vanilli songs, who was truly involved, what's the story there, what have those guys been doing? And I had this really grand idea that I was going to try and track down as many of them as I could and Maybe, maybe even do a series or something like that, or just a big episode like we did with the Joe Jackson guitarists. Mm-hmm. Truly tell the story of, of the real Millie Vanilli. The only guy I, could, I heard back from was John. And we did the interview, and as you saw, he's American, but he's lived in Germany for 45 years or something like that. 
And um, <laughs> such a nice guy, but I was, I was struggling a little bit to follow his thread, his narrative thread. And I was like, I, I was struggling a little bit to understand everything he was saying. And I just was, I, you know, I was, admit I did as well. Okay. So I, I, yeah. I worried about this because I thought, Oh, this, this is such a great story. Someone needs to help us tell it right. You know? Right. And, um, and so I sat on it for a little while because I, um, I didn't, I didn't know how well it would do. I was, I, I really wanted it to be, do well. So finally, uh, I think that was September or October of last year. Finally, around the holidays, sometimes what I'll do, depending on what I have, but that those weeks around Christmas or New Year's, because people are so, unless I have really awesome, like uh, I did really love the Lee Nash episode from Sixpence None the Richer this oh, year. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, sometimes I'll put out ones of, more obscure people because I'm sure everyone's thinking about other things, even though I also really love the Cliff Magnus episode this last year. So I thought I would get it ready and put it out around the holidays. Uh, maybe even like a new year's Eve. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, I go to get it ready and I see that his album running back to you, which was so good was no longer streaming or on iTunes. And I thought, well, it doesn't make any sense for me to, tell everybody to check out your new music if it's going to be difficult for them to buy it or get it. And I told him that, and it took us like four months, three months to finally get, took him three or four months to get the album back on streaming services and bless his little heart. He would call me every like week or two to give me updates on what was happening. John, John, it's a, you know, I tell you, man, I tell you, it's coming. It's going to be close. It's any minute now. And uh, he just, and he mailed me a copy, like a hard copy of the CD that was like 40 bucks. From and we Germany? got to know each, yes, from Germany. Oh, wow. We got to know each other through these calls. And I mean, I remember once I was on vacation in California and I was walking, I was out for a walk and my phone rings and it's him. And we just sit and catch up for like a half hour. Just such a sweet, <laughs> sweet guy. So it yeah. finally comes out and it ends up doing really well. And I got, you know, yeah, and thank goodness he's a miracle worker sometimes. By the time he gets it cleaned up and puts the songs in and everything, it makes so much more sense and it works. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then John dies like a week later or something I, like that. I messaged you that morning. Yes. Yeah, because I yeah, you um, broke it to me. That's right. Because yeah. what happens is, you know, if you're a Patreon sponsor of the five dollar a month mm-hmm. uh, group. John will tell you in an email who who's coming up next. So that's when I go out and say, oh, he's got these people lined up. I better go join those Facebook groups. <laughs> so I'm in like 400 Facebook groups <laughs> of various bands and genres. You're the best. You're the best I'm in four John Lee, <laughs> uh, the producer John Lee's Facebook groups. You know, he's got a German uh-huh. and an Italian one. Uh-huh. Uh, but needless to say here. So, yeah, I saw in one of the Millie Vanilli ones, they passed away and I had to message you. I'm like, hey, I think John passed away last night. There's a bunch of people uh, yeah. you know, doing our, our rest in peace things. And uh, very sad. Uh, yes. Very hard to understand him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also he he disparaged the monkeys and said they never sang or played. And I'm like, whoa, hold my beer here. Dan I know. Davis. <laughs> I didn't it's bother not... to stop him and correct him. I just let him go. 
you tell them to go to the mixing link <laughs> sessionography right. website by craig miller or uh, yeah. craig smith and he yeah. will gladly tell you who played that's it. right um but when you're you had those song clips oh my god i had to go i was at the gym on the treadmill i had to go to spotify and start playing that album mm. after the episode played uh that i will be their song yeah. incredible how so good you know if someone you know if it, it would never get played on radio these days but that perfect song yeah i, I think it was recorded a number of years ago from what i read really uh, i think you might be right and that's why his voice and his enunciation is clear because it's like the guy singing this song and the guy talking to john are two different people yeah yeah but, it uh, was a little bit of a rough one but he i felt like his charm and vitality shone through shined through whatever yep. and he was lovable so even yep. if you weren't fully you know following the thread all the way you were at least liking the guy along the way and yes. um and i can only just i can tell you just from my own experience of him calling me every week or two that he was a sweet sweetheart of a man and it was shocking that he was gone and we have to give it up a little bit because we also lost bj thomas yep. another former guest raindrops keep falling on my head and all that stuff he died and Gary Corbett died, who we met uh, at the first two rockin' pods that I went to. Yep. He was on the show. He was the first uh, in-person interview I think I've ever done. Yep. And um, we're getting to that point where this is just going to happen more and more often. You know, we're reaching that age. Our dads are dying. Our rock stars or idols are dying. It's all happening, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the album... Uh, like I said, running back to you on Spotify, uh, I highly recommend it. Me too. Um, me too. It, and it's it reminds me a little bit of that Marsh, Martha Wash album that she did a couple of years ago that I also really liked, where it's not straight up R and B and it's not rock; it's just soulful rock or something like that. It's this kind of middle ground that's really really solid. I liked it a lot. And you know, it tied in great because uh, over at Slate magazine they have the hit parade podcast by chris mm -hmm. melanfi yes that's right i forgot about that yes yeah and he yeah. that his episode on the millie vanilli story came out right around the same time so then of course me being the facebook spammer that i am uh all in the name of the hustle podcast i went over there and said hey if you like you know chris's episode about the history of uh millie vanilli we'll check out this interview with john davis yeah and then did you become friends then with chris Chris and I had already Facebook? been Facebook friends, okay. but uh, he doesn't know. I don't know. He doesn't know me. I don't think we've ever interacted really, maybe commented okay. on a post here and there, but hip parade, the hip parade podcast is one of the best that's oh. out there. If you ask me, it's so good. And uh, so it just, the timing of that, he, yep. him covering all of that at the exact, and I didn't know, I didn't know that he did when we put out our episode and then John dying, all these things kind yeah. of as a confluence at once. It was crazy. Um, okay. After that, we did the book club in, uh, episode, me and my buddy, Dave Carruth, um, with Jeffrey Lee Campbell, his book about the year he spent touring as the guitarist with Sting in the late eighties. So here was the deal. Uh, I mentioned Greg Renoff, former guest, friend of the show. And Halen author. And Halen author and Ted Templeman author. Yep. Um, he, once in a while, if he interacts with someone on Twitter that he thinks would be a good guest for me, he'll connect us together. And he's, he introduced me to Jeffrey. And um, I thought, well, this book sounds fascinating. 
I don't know. Um, and I get pitched these kinds of books every now and then. People will say, well, I'm writing this book and it's independently published and I think you would like it. And I want to be supportive of these people, but I, it's, you know, I don't have the time. I don't know where they fit in exactly on, are they a Tuesday episode or are they something else? I don't know. And so I thought, well, what if we started something new called a book club and people I'm, I'm imagining are sick of hearing from me. My buddy, Dave, whenever Dave and I are together, I mean, usually we only see each other around the holidays because that's when I'm back in Utah and some night between Christmas and New Year's, we set up shop in like a Denny's from about 11 at night to about four o'clock in the morning. Oh, and geez. just talk music all night long. It's the best. And uh, I, so I thought he, I, in fact, when I very first started this, um, he was someone I thought might work as a co-host. So I thought, well, let's bring him in for these book club episodes. Unfortunately, I don't think he's quite found his voice on podcasting yet. I think, I'm sure he isn't, you know, he's, still getting warmed up and not sure where to insert himself. He'll get there. You, you, throw, you throw some questions to him and say, Oh, do you, do you yeah. have something? It's, um, uh, it's tricky finding a balance, but I, so anyway, I, I really liked Jeffrey a lot and that book was fantastic. Um, it sounds like it. Yeah. The, uh, I have different feelings about the most recent book club that we put out that one. Um, I really like the book. I just am not, I was really out of my comfort zone, culturally, I will say, the yeah. most recent uh, book club. I'll, maybe I'll talk more about that is not a knock on Joel at all. I yeah. just, um, uh, I, I'm a different kind of, I'm built differently. So uh, I was not in my element on that one, sure. you know? Sure. Yeah, no, that uh, Jeffrey Lee Campbell book, quite fascinating. Here's a guy plucked essentially from obscurity. Total and obscurity. hey, you're going you're going on a world tour with Sting, man. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Gear up. And then back one, to one obscurity, tour. basically, you know? Well, then, uh, what did he say? Went to Broadway, did the Mamma Mia show. He's so, been I in mean, Broadway for years yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Had so, a very good, game. solid career. Yeah, steady for sure. It's just, uh, man, what a blip on a on a person's yeah. radar. You know what I mean? And that yeah. book, I've, I hear other people mentioning it here and there. It's really <laughs> a solid book. I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. See, I thought uh, Dolet McDonald had thrown him your way. No. Okay. Um, Dolet McDonald introduced me to Tessa Niles, who's another famous background singer. I interviewed her mm -hmm. recently, and hers will be out down the line. I have a lot yeah. in front of her, unfortunately. But anyway, sure. another month or two. Um, okay, so let's talk about John Waite. This was when the uh, that winning streak really started to kick in, I think. I will yep. say John Waite is our fourth biggest episode of the year. Um, he was doing a lot of podcasts around that time. And thankfully, and I really, and I thought, I hope I can bring something unique to this party. When that happens, I don't listen to all the other interviews because, yeah, because <laughs> I, and I say this a lot, there's a fine line on when you do the research on here, because you want to go in informed, yep. but if you, answer all the questions that you have what's left to talk about you know so yeah. you've got to draw this line between knowing what you're talking about but then leaving a few mysteries out there that aren't the easy ones like you know so jesse's girl was really about a guy named gary what's that story you know like everyone's heard that story a billion times don't ask that story anymore so you yeah. got to ask something you know informed 
And I thought we got there. I felt really good about it. He was so cool. Uh, super cool. I mean, like you can tell he's a cool guy in real life. Sure. Doesn't get bothered by too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I just liked him a lot. And I thought it turned out really well. There was some technical issues, which Yan cleaned up perfectly. And it turned out really well. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I actually had to go back and look at John Waite's discography um, because I could have sworn he had a little bit more solo hits. But when I looked back, it's really pretty thin. You have the babies, you have Missing You, and then you have the bad English stuff as far as the, the real top 40 hits. Yeah. And I could have sworn, you know, I, I know he was on like the About Last Night soundtrack. Uh, what, Days of Thunder? I think he was on Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Uh, he was on uh, Vision Quest. Vision what, Quest. You know, yeah. Change is on there. Yeah. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But I could, I'm like, he's got to have more top 40 solo hits. Isn't that and crazy? No. no. Yeah. Just in my mind, I would have assumed there were more. I know, me too. Little known fact, John, my first girlfriend, our song was When I See You Smile by Bad Really? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Uh, well, then that song. Horrible makes girlfriend, the, uh, but you know, <laughs> that's that. We'll save that story for my podcast. Okay. Yeah. You. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. He. I know. He only really. I mean, there was. I don't think change hit the top forty. Maybe tears, which was the follow up to missing you, didn't hit the top forty exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, times are hard for lovers. He might have had one other top forty hit. It's a shame. He was so good, especially in the eighties. That voice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much soul. I loved him. Um, okay. After that was Michael Sadler with Saga. Here's the deal. I had been wanting Saga is a band that I know a little bit about, but the, because they've been around for so long and I know have such a devout following, I thought I have wanted to have him on since day one. And I always thought I better wait because I need to be a real Saga expert before I bring him on here. But then I would just keep waiting. And I just yeah. thought if I don't, I need to set myself like a deadline, you know, I need to get him to commit in like two weeks. And then I need to like, you know, uh, like you're cramming for a final, I need to cram for my saga final before interviewing him. And so that's what I ended up doing. I just stalked him on Twitter. Such a gentleman. So nice. And he agreed yeah. to come on. And so Canadian. He, yes. Very Canadian. Yeah. Right. Yes. Oh yeah. Eh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so once he agreed to come on, then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do my work. Cause I have, I mean, I have like three or four saga albums and they have like 25 or something like that. Oh. So it was, a, yeah, I was, oh man. Okay. I gotta, I gotta bone up on my saga. I know some things like the hits, but not much else. So anyway, I'm really glad I did because he was such a sweet guy, really totally a gentleman. Um, and I hope the fans appreciated that one. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, everyone knows Saga, you know, for the big on the hit loose. Uh, on the loose. Yeah. Um, I didn't know much more about it. What I found fascinating was the fact that he leaves, you know, five, six years ago. And then after a couple of years, wants to come back. Mm -hmm. And that's a fascinating story. How, how do you go from being the lead singer of a band for 30 years, take off, let them go off and do their own thing with a new lead singer, and then work your way back in? Uh, very interesting how the political the, the poli yes. politics of that worked for him he uh, was so upfront cool. though and cool about first and exactly. foremost i'm not coming back unless we tell the new guy and he's okay with it and everyone else is okay with it 
I am not disrupting anything or ruining anyone's life. It would have to be agreed on by everyone. He was very upfront with all of that. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to return to your band, I can't imagine doing it any classier than the way Michael did. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, okay. After that, we did a Stein, a Jim Steinman tribute with Ellen Foley. Surprisingly, that episode is one of our biggest ones of the year too. I don't yeah. think it's quite in the top 10, but it's huge. Um, she, and I have to thank Brian Morris, our very active listener and commenter and everything supporter um because right after jim died i was debating i feel like i should do an, a tribute to jim i and i was still on the fence thinking about it and when he brian without any prompting from me messaged and said you've got to get ellen on there mm. back to do a steinman and i just thought that is right that's exactly what i should do and um so thankfully ellen came back on and she has a new album coming out in like two weeks. And so I managed to do with her what I couldn't do with Ian Anderson, which is she's coming back on talking about the new album. And we did a deep dive of one of her old solo albums. Oh. And it's really fun. So that'll be out in a couple of weeks. Th another three time guest. Yes. Son yes. of a bitch. The list keeps growing. <laughs> you, Ian and Ellen, three timers. <sighs> And, you know, and it's funny to listen to her voice, John, because I still think of her as from Billy from Night Court. Oh, so because I, Because that's how I first knew her, was watching Night Court. And then Same. to hear, go back and listen to those Meatloaf albums of her singing, and it's like, it just blow, it throws me I off know. here. Yeah. Me too. And she has such a, like, overdramatic, big voice. And to think such a that small frame. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And to think that it's coming from the actress from Night Court, that's just... <laughs> that's wild to me yeah me right. too she's a cool lady though she's uh she's coming back i'm just remembering my the my favorite joke from that five timers club uh wasn't it tom hanks goes steve martin and he goes huh, it's mr steve martin or something like that what does he say i can't remember oh. the exact joke do you no, remember what I'm talking? anyway i'm gonna have to I, I know what you, you're talking about. mr andy shaw <laughs> Well, thank you, John. Um, you can call me Alec Baldwin. Right. Here's the thing, that's podcast. <laughs> that's a good podcast, too. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Then little Steven Van Zant. Um, yes. He also was on the podcast beat right around that time. I think just about a lot of our friends, Pat Francis, Steve Cooper had him on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I got to give, I mean, Steve Cooper helps me. We help, I try to help him, too. We try to help each other. But I get so many guests, thanks to Steve. When one of us gets somebody that we're excited about, we run it past the other. And if they want it, then we share the information if it's cool with everybody. And so I got to give a shout out to Steve because he is a big help. Um, He's only as hip as his friends. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that's right. I, I love Steve as well. And I felt so bad the other night because he had Judy Gold, the comedian, mm -hmm. who I absolutely love. And then the next day he had uh, Wendy uh, Liebman. Liebman, yes, yeah. who who I've adored for years. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you had Judy on the other day. Now you're going to have Wendy. He's like, well, actually, it's like her fourth or fifth time. I've had her, you know, all these times. And I'm like, oh, downloading. Ooh. Well, better <laughs> go back and do my homework. Yeah. yeah, I actually, you know, I had found his podcast way before the hustle mm. because he had on Alicia Coppola, who was mm. actually on remote, which was the hostess on remote control. That's right. 
and then was on the soap opera I used to watch in the 90s, Another <laughs> World. And she's quite fetching. Uh, uh-huh. still is and he's had her on twice now so yeah. uh so i found steve yeah. a long time ago and he, he does a great job as well pat he francis does. does a great job yeah steve's a good guy um anyway so little steven he's another one where it's like he does a million interviews yeah. i hope i'm finding territory that's new um my favorite parts of that interview were uh him getting really angry and excited about politics which of course i love that and then at the end, I, I was really kind of proud of myself that I remembered him posting on Twitter that he was cutting out sugar. And hmm. um, so I asked him how that was going. And he opened up, oh, I was doing so good for three months. And then there's this thing called Grubhub or whatever. And I just, <laughs> you know, and uh, fell off the wagon. And so that yeah. was that was a pretty fun, amazing experience. I tried not to go make him talk too much about Sopranos or too much about Bruce. Cause I'm sure he gets asked that kind of stuff all the time. I'm always really, um, I'm always, I always try to be very sensitive to people who are, this sounds bad, but famous for being adjacent to more famous people. Sure. And then like Keith Scott guitarist for Brian Adams. I don't yeah. want Keith Scott to come on feeling like he needs to be a spokesman for Brian Adams. Sure. I want him to be able to tell his story. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and if they talk about their boss, that's fine, but I'm not going to, you know, poke about that. And that was the kind of fine line with Stephen that I wanted to draw. It's interesting though, we had, we have so many great interviews right around the time of our sixth birthday, this one. And I always just thought, I always try to make the biggest one or the one that most people ask for or request or whatever as the birthday guest. But surprisingly, I mean, his did well, but almost all yeah. the other episodes did more, did better than his. And I find that shocking. I did too. And I, I put that in our notes. I don't know if it's just because, you know, he's just on so much with his, you know, XM radio show and yeah. people know him. But I mean, I thought you did a great job kind of uh, steering clear of the Bruce Sopranos stuff. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got him talk about Dar- the Darlene Love album yeah. and uh, what is it called? The, his Disciples of Soul. Mm-hmm side project yeah uh you got my pat denizio question in there thank you very much um so yeah i i everything was there i know (laughs) i know it's weird i posted it in the some bruce groups you know but like maybe after 40 years they they know the little steven story (laughs) i guess i think he even shared it well he didn't tweet it where he's more active but he shared it on facebook where he's less active and it got okay. a ton of likes and everything, but it didn't blow up. Or yeah, I yeah. forgot to mention that was one of my favorite moments when he expressed that the failure of the Darling Love album that he produced is one of like his biggest career regrets. I mm. thought, ooh, that's good to know. I don't, I yeah. would never have guessed that. That's good nuggets, sure. you know, of gold sure. right there. But anyway, I'm proud that it happened. Um, after that was Graham Parker. I was going back and back, back and forth trying to figure out which one of those I was going to make the birthday guest. Uh, mm-hmm. Graham was just fantastic. And he yeah. is such a spitfire, uh, opinionated, rascally old guy that still feels it, means it. And I love it. And uh, my son, Graham, is partially named after him, sure. which I forgot to mention on the interview, but I told, I messaged him later and me- told him that. And um, he just could not have been better. And that one was really interesting. I think I mentioned 
I went into it thinking a lot of the stuff I like about Graham Parker is the stuff that doesn't get asked about as much. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to focus on that stuff and I'm going to show him that I'm, I'm a deep cut guy, but it turns out he doesn't really like the stuff, the deep cuts that I like. And so it, we did, it didn't go very far. Like it was more like, you like that? I guess I was just, I couldn't think of any, anyway, it just, yeah. it was a really interesting and he, but he just, he tells it like it is. Yep. He was super entertaining. I love that guy. I loved how he took the piss out of the pub rock scene mm-hmm. history. Like, yes. eh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Fascinating guy. But uh, I mean, you being a, a dedicated fan, you didn't ha- probably have to do too much research. You know, all you have all the albums. Right. Now, now if if I was in your shoes and someone came to me and said, hey, you want Graham Parker? I'd be like, kind of like Sega. Oh, God, I have 25 albums. Yeah. From yeah. the last 40 years, I need to start cramming. Right. I, I I like a Graham Parker, but I, I've never gone deep on him. And that's he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, I would just have never taken the time to to yeah. listen more. But what I do know I love. You know, that's um he he's one of those people, uh no disrespect to him, but it if you want the good stuff, it's usually the early stuff. So yeah. the first, like, you know, the first six albums, maybe. You know, up until like mid eighties is all really solid. And then after that it's good, but it's just gets a little more spotty after that. Um, I would pick up a greatest hits and see if you like it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I do, I, I know Graham's music really well, but it's one of those things where I don't like have it memorized necessarily. So I need to like refresh myself one more time. So I know what I'm talking about, but um, yeah, he was great. Um, after that was Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet. That was another one that I think came from Steve Cooper, which again is, it's always frustrating when I've tried to get Tony two or three times over the years and never heard back. And then yeah. suddenly I get a message from Steve. Hey, I'm interviewing Tony Hadley tomorrow. Are you, in, <laughs> are you interested? It's like you bastard. I have been trying to make that happen for years. Mm-hmm. And that happens to us all, all the time. I don't know why. <laughs> So, uh, yes, Tony was great. Super charming. I, um, unfortunately, I believe he's a Trumper, which ruins so much. And I try not to think about that. If he's, if he's in the UK though, isn't he more of a Brexit guy? Probably. I mean, I know he, I know he's a conservative. He, we didn't get into politics. Um, Steve told me that before they started recording, Tony was saying some things about, uh, Trump positive things Hmm. on, in his conversation with Steve, which breaks my heart. But uh, anyway, he also was super charming. I would love yeah. to know what really is at the heart of the issue with Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Um, because if you do you listen to the Rock on Tours podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt? I don't. Okay. That's one of the best music podcasts out there right now. Okay. And um, Gary Kemp talks not lovingly so much about Tony, but he has a really, he talks very affectionately about the band and the good days. And he has a real sense of humor about it. Tony seems to have a sense of humor about it. I'm dying to know what was so bad that these guys can't make it work. You know, I don't know. I'm sure it all comes down to money at the end of the day. I'm sure it's usually. Yeah. The answer to all your questions is money. You know, there's only, you can only split it so many ways. The pie. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I, it was fascinating to get, you know, his take on the, the Duran Duran, you know, quote unquote feud that was going on in the eighties. And he's like, Oh no, we're all friends. That's all the press BS. So. <laughs> so it's just interesting to hear, you know, from his perspective. And I did love when you bring up that EP is like, Oh yeah, you got this new EP out on Spotify with boys of summer. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I was wondering about that too. It just kind of showed up and my manager was calling me about it saying, what's this? And I don't know. I recorded that like in the nineties, yeah. you know, like it was all stuff that's just been laying around that he didn't put together very very interesting it's Um, always interesting you know when an artist you know well in this case it was in the break of the you know from the success to kind of now but you know artists from the early days of rock and roll they would cut a bunch of singles that would never go anywhere with some art label and then they hit it big and then they you know put all these budget albums out of those cuts it's pretty fascinating yeah yeah see who they can fool um Okay, after that was Martin Ware. That was a good one, I thought, anyway. I stalked him on Twitter, too. One half of uh, Heaven 17. I got to be honest, I have thought about going after Martin for a long time. I've heard other interviews with him, and he's always great. I almost never hear interviews of Glenn Gregory, the lead singer. And sometimes when that happens, it feels as if it would be easy to get Martin. Therefore, but I, you never hear from Glenn, so I'm going to go after Glenn. Sure. And I do that a lot, you know, like, uh, I mean, there's been English beat is a good one. Dave Wakeling yep. does a lot of interviews. He's great. He's so charming, but I didn't hear a lot from ranking Roger when he was alive. So I, yep. I want to go for Roger, you know, and, and that's so one that of your was, best. That's well, thank you. Yep. Yes. Yep. And now I am trying, I'm stalking Dave on Twitter now too, to make that happen. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, so, but eventually when Martin started doing his podcast, I just thought we, I, he's got to come up. We got to do this. And um, I thought we had a really informative conversation, especially around the dynamic in human league, yep. the early stuff. I, I, I always hear that he was involved with Tina Turner and should have gotten more, you know, coverage on that Tina documentary or, you know, right up in the histories. I didn't realize really that what sparked her, the interest in her comeback was the success of the Let's Stay Together cover that was getting big in Europe, and he produced that. That, If that song hadn't started to take off over there, labels wouldn't have thought, we have something here, let's, you know, recharge Tina Turner. And and that prompted her comeback epic proportions there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty great like a, I think you put it here in our notes, a micro history of synth pop. That's a really good one. Yep. And um, then, uh, oh, and then I just found his podcast this afternoon. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I see he has a two-parter with Sananda Matreya, mm-hmm. AKA our buddy, Terrence Trent Darby. Terrence Trent Darby. Yep. There's his, a little his, bit of crossover. Yep. His mama named him Terrence. I'm going to call him Terrence. <laughs> Me <laughs> that their uh, their conversation is actually uh i mean it, it is still terrence being terrence but it's pretty interesting i they okay. because they go way you know they go way back martin yep basically produced the, introducing the hardline album yep. so they have a lot of insider information to talk about his podcast pretty good it depends sometimes it depends on the guest but there's a it's a worth checking out if you like if you go to the guest list and see who's been on. Um, 
Okay, after that is the Sergio Mendez documentary with uh, director John Scheinfeld. Uh, my thinking was, I don't know that my listeners will care about a Sergio Mendez documentary, but I love bossa nova music. Yep. And I don't get to talk to filmmakers very often. And that's fun because it's different. And this guy made a fantastic Bee Gees documentary, a fantastic John Coltrane documentary, uh, the US versus John Lennon documentary, all these other ones. And I thought, well, hopefully if people aren't interested in Sergio, they will think a conversation with a filmmaker and a rock doc maker specifically will be interesting. Um, the downloads tell me you guys don't care that much, but it's a shame because I thought this was a really informative conversation, especially with all the hype that the Bee Gees were getting with the new documentary that was out on HBO. Yep. He says in, his, in our interview, 40% of, this, of the new Bee Gees documentary is footage taken from his documentary Right. It came out like in the 90s when Morris and Robin were still alive. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, uh, fascinating. Uh, I actually found it quite interesting. Um, I didn't catch the PBS airing of it, but I will want to watch the full movie when it comes out just because he was teasing that Harrison Ford story. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, I got to hear about that. And uh, of course, you know, Sergio Mendes, uh, Mendes uh, Austin Powers theme. <laughs> that's right so just for the cultural uh, reference point there yeah um or no that's not the theme that's quincy jones but that's oh yeah, um, yeah that's right it's in the it's in the first international man of mystery that's uh, right that's how i know it uh speaking of rock docs have you seen any good ones lately well i saw the um summer of soul oh which, yeah the quest love one i watched yep. that on hulu it really was beautiful i um i feel weird saying this i wanted more exposition and less music it's mm. uh it's a lot of footage of the concert which is great the footage is incredible it sounds <laughs> and is so beautiful i wanted more interviews with people talking about why it mattered and what was going mm. on and all that kind of stuff whether it be the people who were watching or the performers themselves i would have liked more of a narrative but it was still an, an amazing piece of work yeah, uh, I do need to see it still. Um, I can tell you this from what I've read. It wasn't just a show. It was done yeah, over no, several weeks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, Questlove had on uh, Marilyn Magoo and Billy Davis Jr. of the Fifth Dimension. Um, and actually, I've been meaning to talk to you about that because usually Questlove does a great job. He kind of sucked with them. Really? So, uh, it wasn't a great one. Huh. Uh, I love the Questlove uh podcast um but he kind of let me down with that one so i think uh, they might they might need the hustle treatment john it's interesting you told me that a month or two ago and i agree i would love to talk to them but the, it was they were getting a lot they were on like cbs sunday morning yep. they've been getting a lot of publicity lately and i thought there's no way they're gonna make room for little old me i'll yeah. wait for everything to die down so i yeah. thought maybe later in the year or something when the spotlights kind of moved on that I would um, see about that. I'd love to talk to them. Marilyn yeah. McCoo. Oh my gosh. She's still such a cutie. What a lady. I love uh, in her late seventies. Yes. Or mid to late seventies, yes. which Beautiful. you would not believe. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I also saw the sparks documentary in the oh, theater, yeah. which was 
just as good as everyone says it is. It's one of the best I've ever seen. I've always, uh, I, I'm not a Sparks ex expert at all. In fact, I think a lot of people who went to see it weren't. It's this band I've heard of. I know a couple of songs. I've heard a couple of albums. Never really paid super close attention. And as soon as it was over, I thought, I've got to know more about these guys. So, yeah, yeah it was a great doc that did the job. I liked it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Friday night, my wife and I just happened to catch the HBO Woodstock 99 doc, ah. uh, which was fabulous. Uh, my, my wife, Alicia, hates music concerts in general. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> and doc and documentaries. So to have her be interested in a music documentary for two hours uh, says a lot. Uh, and it was just, you know, just this shit show of uh, <laughs> how, how could everything not go wrong? Mm -hmm. How could you guys have been so blind to mm -hmm. think this thing, you know, 400,000 people coming to this Air Force base in upstate New York, uh, you wouldn't have issues. So yeah. highly recommend that one. Um, one that just came on Tubi the other day that I've been meaning to see for years is The Color Me Obsessed of the re replacement stock. Oh, I, that was, uh, is that the one that features no music from the band and nobody in the band? I saw, I, that was on uh, YouTube. I watched oh, it on okay. YouTube like five years ago. It's really yeah, it, fascinating. It's, it's old, right? It's about 10 yeah. years old. But what's fascinating, John, is, you know, since the replacements are from Minneapolis and a lot of the record store owners that yes. they interviewed are all record store guys I've bought stuff from. Oh, their man. Stores. Yes. So I'm like, hey, that's the guy from Roadrunner Records. Hey, that's the <laughs> Treehouse Records store. They closed down like two years ago. Oh, wow. That's wild. So that, that just kind great. of great. Good. Yeah. Good one. And those replacement albums, I mean, they went like double lead. <laughs> you know, they totally. sold like 80,000 copies in 1982. I know. Um, I know. I, I was late to the game. I didn't yeah. really get into the replacements until the early 2000s and now yeah. i love them but i and i've seen them live a couple of times thank goodness but i wasn't paying attention to them back in their head yeah well of course you know being a kid in the 80s in minneapolis prince sucked all the air out of yeah, the, the local scene for 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 kids you know and then the jets obviously sure. um so i wasn't really into the replacements so by 91 when they broke up and played their farewell shows I'm like, oh, I've heard of those guys. Yeah, I've, I've, I know the Can't Hardly Wait song. That's about it. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, the early 2000s, I find them. Now, I do like the replacements, but I still love the Smithereens more. Yeah, you know, oh, the, yes. And those are two bands I always kind of compare. Like, well, if you Good like one. the replacements, the Smithereens are kind of like in the same wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree. Smithereens yeah. are still... Oh yeah, far and away. You and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can nerd out about the smithereens for a long time. Yeah. I love and that. then one other one that I saw that I was excited when I I found it on Tubi, but it turned out to be kind of cheaply made and it didn't go very deep. Was this inner uh, documentary on Heavy D, the rapper? Really? Uh, yeah, it's called Be Inspired, which I guess was the last tweet he had posted right before he had died. Wow. Um, and it was produced by like Dougie Fresh and MC Light, Ooh, you know, famous yeah. rappers. MC Light's the voiceover. They have Mary J. Blige, Will Smith. I mean, it's a who's who yeah. uh, of everyone in that 80s New York uh, rap scene. And it just looks a little cheap yeah. and it didn't quite 
do a complete career retrospective. Oh, that's a shame. You know, um, you know, he was in that song self-destruction, which was the kind of anti-black on black crime violence uh, video in the late 80s. And he's one of the best guys on that. And they don't even talk about it. Um, they don't talk about oh, the big elm from 94, nothing but love kind of got glossed over. Um, so big, big names, but just didn't quite get there for me. The but I'd still recommend it. Okay, the production value on some of these docs matters a lot because oh, yeah. if you feel like you're watching something homemade, yeah. question whether it's real. Having said that, though, I uh, I think I posted something about this maybe recently. I don't remember, but on Amazon Prime, I watched the documentary on the cow sills. Oh yeah, which was fascinating, and it felt yeah. kind of homemade. It felt mm. it was not glossy or you know sexy in any way, but oh, it was so interesting. And uh, the ups and downs of that family. And I really, yeah. I've always heard the name and I knew one or two songs, but I'd never really paid that close attention to who the cow sills were. And yep. uh, I completely got sucked in. It's really, really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, the three remaining, the two brothers and the sister just started a podcast and they've oh. had on some other like oldies acts. Oh, okay. So, you know, 60s pop, which is, you know, right in my game. And, uh, you know, they're like 45 minutes long, but they do like 20 minutes of chit chat between the three oh. of them. And then they bring the guest on and oh. then you have four people yapping. So it gets a little helter skelter, uh, not as great as what I was expecting. Yeah, they but, can't all be the hustle. Let's just be honest. Yeah, well, you know, that's I mean, bottom line. OK, uh, all right, we just got a couple left here. One of them uh, after the after Sergio Mendez documentary was Tim Booth of James. That is one of my favorite ones ever. I love James. I'm a big fan. I've seen them in concert a couple of times. I find Tim to be a super fascinating guy, and uh, that was one of those in, those. Now, normally, as I was saying earlier about Ian Anderson, I tend I'm a bad judge of my episodes sometimes because. If I if the interview isn't the interview that I wanted to have with this person, I'm often disappointed. But you guys, listeners, don't know that. So you're just uh, oftentimes you like them. You think something's good. And I'm like, yeah, but we didn't. He didn't tell this story very well. I was hoping he, we'd talk about this. We didn't. You know what I mean? And yes. it's it, and it, I come away disappointed. And usually I do have a, like an expectation that I want I know when something's good and um, I tried to guide it that way. Tim almost, we went like totally off script. He was talking about the drug cocktails that work for him and the, you know, the time he almost died and that he dances like six hours a day and, um, you know, of finding other like astral planes of real reality to take inspiration from and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought it doesn't matter what I've written down in my notes <laughs> Whatever you're coming up with is so much more interesting than anything I could come up with. There was some, like some figure skating reference in there as yeah. well. Yes. Uh, I was like, where are we going with this ice capade story? Here? I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And he got choked up a couple of times. And yeah. uh, it's interesting. Yan is so meticulous about editing out any pregnant pause or any um or uh. And I had to tell him, okay, two different times, Tim gets choked up. Do not edit that out. Leave it alone so that it has the power that it's meant to have, you know? And, um, 
anyway, I was really proud of how that one turned out. And I thought it was, um, I, I thought, I can't imagine there are other Tim Booth interviews quite like this one. I think right. this is a unique one. Now, for him, I mean, really, James's big hit in the U.S. laid, mm-hmm. barely talked about. You know, you yeah. didn't, it was that intentional just so you could kind of. Go it was off? another one of those things where I, I didn't want to dwell on the obvious stuff. Yeah. It did come up eventually near the end, and it was an interesting story. It was a demo of them just kind of messing around, and Brian Eno liked it and thought, let's just put it out as is. Yeah. And uh, I thought, I don't, that's probably good enough. And I could, I could have drilled into like was that real were you having really super awesome sex with somebody and you wrote a song about it but talking about the that kind of stuff didn't feel like it was in keeping with the spirit of the rest of the conversation we were having you know about elevated planes of reality and you know and figure skating figure skating and (laughs) And spirituality and whatever so i just thought i'll he's just a devout hippie this guy and i'm just gonna (laughs) let him do his thing it was beautiful beautiful and i'm really grateful because i have a couple of friends really close friends who are gigantic james fans bigger than me and they both loved it and if they're happy then i'm happy you know can you see on the downloads did you get more like from the uk Uh, that's a good question i can't see that i never I never look at that stuff. I should. I don't know. Why. I know some some podcasters have referenced that, but I don't know yeah. if they're paying more for that analytical breakdown. There is some of that, uh, you know, dissection in the Podbean application, but I I hardly ever look at that kind of stuff. Hmm. I should. I was just curious, just because you know, like I said, laid. Uh, I knew that, of course, mm-hmm. but after that, I'm like, Ugh, I don't really? know these guys. Yeah. Okay. I know that. Um, probably two thirds of our audience is American mm-hmm. and another probably 25% is the UK. And then there's some, then Canada and Australia and the rest are just, you know, little small little blips pockets mm-hmm. around the around the globe. So I just assumed, and it, James didn't share it or anything, which didn't surprise me. So mm-hmm. um, I don't, you know, I don't know that their fans found it. That's unless you shared it on fan pages which you probably did i don't know i do and then i look for you know uk alternative music (laughs) facebook groups and like i said john i'm in like 400 different facebook groups you're the best (laughs) you're the best man i love it um now speaking of uh fans being happy the justin curry episode with from delamitri that was another one that meant a lot to me because that was one that I felt like I really needed to do well. I, I like Delamitri a lot, but I know they're another band that has a hugely devout fan base. And if this interview is boilerplate stuff that Justin's been asked a million times, they're going to, they're not going to like it. And he's not going to like me because you can, I I wouldn't say that he's prickly, but he doesn't do a lot of media because I just don't think he believes that he's going to have a worthwhile conversation with someone. And I am so lucky that he and I bonded, you know, that he seemed to like me and I managed, thank God to ask the right questions in that one. And I have to thank all the people, the listeners and Patreon members and other people that I knew liked them that I reached out to that helped guide me on that one with the right questions and everything, because they made it great. And the fans seem to love that one. It's, it's our, 
uh, seventh biggest episode of the year. And uh, I just heard tons of good feedback from fans about it. And yep. if they're happy, I know we've done the right thing. Right. You, you didn't start off with, well, tell me about that Roll to Me song. Again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, no, it, you could tell you guys had rapport. Yeah. Uh, I was really glad the way that turned out. And yeah, we did talk about Roll. That's one of those things. I mean, if I'm going to, yes, we want to talk about Roll to Me, but if we kick it off with Roll to Me, then he's going to, oh, it's one of those kind of conversations. Yeah. Instead, you got to earn the right to have a more interesting conversation about Roll to Me. And I think we got there. Yeah. And um, anyway, he's a he's an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, that was a good episode. Yeah. Thank you. Richard Jobson from the Skids. That was another one I really liked. Uh, Yan, bless his heart. They're from the same town that Yan lives in. And mm-hmm. Yan has been asking for a while you should get somebody on from the skids. They're right here, you know? And I always mean to, and I just haven't done it. Nazareth is from his town too. And I need to get someone on from Nazareth. I think, well, unfortunately, I think his dad was friends with someone in Nazareth. And um, so, and I keep meaning to do it and just hadn't gotten around to it. And then I got a press release that uh, emailed to me that the skids had a new album coming out and it's a fantastic covers album. And I thought, well, now is the time. And um, he was so much fun and uh, still a really, uh, not combative, but just a tough guy. Doesn't, you know, tells it like it is. I liked it. We talked about the history of punk. We talked about a lot about the big country history, which meant a lot to me. Sure. Um, it was uh, it was just a really fun, worthwhile conversation. And he put me in touch with Alan McGee of Creation Records. And I'm, Alan agreed to come on and uh, then I haven't heard from him for like a month or two. So I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully Alan's going to come back, but anyway. Well, it was nice that you had the Yan Yan connection where he could tell you like the local landmarks to reference. I know that wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're global baby. Yeah. (laughs) International podcast, man of mystery. Yeah. You know me, me and all (laughs) dozens of our listeners um anyway <laughs> uh yeah so those two and i'm glad they came out back to back both scots it worked out well um okay two more marcella detroit marcy levy one half of shakespeare's sister which is really just a really small sliver of her long career she's another one i well i had been wanting to have shaban fahey on here from bananarama and shakespeare's sister for years shaban is best friends with marco peroni Marco put in a good word for me and Shaban's people. Yes. Two time guest, not three time like you and uh, her people basically cock cock blocked me and I couldn't get her on. Hmm. And uh, I'm Facebook friends with Marcella. And when she was posting that she had new music coming out, I started stalking her too. And she agreed to come on and um, she was a really nice lady. And I'm glad we covered a lot of other stuff that she had done. There are some times, I'll give you a little insider information. This is not a knock on Marcella at all. But I, if someone's personality feels kind of mellow, um, I find that I don't mean to do this, but instinctively, I try to overcompensate by being slightly more effusive and more exciting and more talkative and more, ex- you know, and uh, I found myself doing that with her and just wanting to shoot myself afterwards because she was great, but she was kind of, she was a little bit mellow. And so yeah. I felt like I was overcompensating on the excitement level, trying to, 
isn't this fantastic? This is just great. And I really do mean those things, but to, I laid it on pretty thick. I was afraid mm. and I don't do it consciously. I just notice, Ooh, somebody has got to keep the energy level higher here and I'll do it by going overboard. Uh, you know, I'm a little shocked that I didn't know her. Yeah. I Did didn't you not know, know anything? Did you Shakespeare's nothing. sister? Nothing. Huh. Well, I know, I know Shakespeare's sister, but I never got in. I mean, I knew stay. I mean, it was a big hit, but yeah. Um, you know, for me, especially because I, I know more about songwriters than probably the average person on the street. And I'm like, she did all those Clapton songs. Where, yeah. where was I? Like, I know. that's got to be some nice mailbox money. You would take uh, lay down, lay down, Sally, yeah. lay down, Sally, and the yeah. core. I mean, that's yeah. probably playing on a classic rock station in Oklahoma City right now, <laughs> or you yes. know, yes. Seattle. I mean, it's probably on five classic rock stations right this yeah. second. Um, and then the live aid story was cool. And, uh, the Leon Russell being a Leon Russell groupie, I was kind of like, wow, that's, Mm -hmm. he was always kind of a weird looking, well, I totally agree. A a unique looking individual, that big, burly, hairy, long haired hippie guy. And she was his girlfriend there for a while. Wild. Yeah. Each their own. Yeah. Uh, Hey, when you rock stars get away with a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. Then lastly, it was Peter Coyne from the Godfathers. Um, that was one. So here's the deal Uh, earlier in the year I did before we really hit our stride with this winning streak of all these big names and great episodes. I still had a number of interviews in the can and, uh, I still do. And I feel really guilty because I like Peter Coyne, the Godfathers a lot but it's not really time sensitive. You know, they weren't promoting like a brand new album. And so that one just keeps sitting around. It's not like, it's like, well, I would, I'm going to hold off on Graham Parker or little Steven. I'm going to sit, let that one sit in the can for a while so I can put out my Peter coin episode. (laughs) That's not time sensitive at all. And that's not a, that's not a knock on Peter at all. Cause I love the, uh, the Godfathers. But it's been difficult because we've had so many great episodes with so many great people lately. And I still have four or five interviews that are perfectly fine, but yeah. they're not like this, you know, the sexy name getters like this that keep sitting in, in my folder because I can't find a way to get them out there, you know? Yeah. So anyway, John that was my his- birthday and I was out of town. And I thought, I'm just going to put this one out now. John and his first world podcaster. Problems. First world so podcast. I got podcast. these five that I'm just going to sit on because I okay. got these other Okay. Names. Okay, fine. You know, I thought it would be fun, Andy, to bring you on here. And if you're just going to bust my balls, I'll just go back to Yan because he doesn't complain. Okay. He doesn't talk back. Yan, uh... <laughs> Yan doesn't talk back. So I don't oh, need this. You know, I forgot who, who does the music for the deep dives, that theme song. The do, oh. do, 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 do. <laughs> my brother my brother steve yeah, did that yeah thank you for asking um yeah. my brother made that on his phone some like wow. i don't even know garage band app or something on his phone <laughs> and he played it for me once years ago because we like the same kind of music and i was like that is hot i like that and so i uh, well let's just put a theme song on here and i'll use that song you made on your phone that's it <laughs> Now, does he have any musical talent? No, no, nope. nope. Just, just like so. Your dad was the 
you know, orchestral conductor and piano teaching wizard and, and you guys just never, we got nothing. Wow. Wow. Got nothing. I mean, nice. I, that's not, I, we both appreciate music. Obviously we got his love of music and who yep. knows, we probably, I mean, we both used to be able to sing pretty well when we were young, but um, I mean, we both rebelled, you know? So mm. it was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to, please my dad by taking piano lessons screw that you know i tried it a couple of times so who knows i may we may all have like loads of musical talent inside of us but we've never we fought the urge to even find out because huh. who wants to please their parents you know yeah. you gotta rebel well uh you know graham and eddie and yeah. georgia want to no they're over that they're getting to that age where they don't care about that either believe me Believe me. Um, okay, real quick. I put a shout out there for questions, but we only got a couple. Um, one of them's Andrew Jacobs. He wants to know when the Andy Shaw podcast is coming out. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we've been trying for a long time to do this. And I finally got a buddy that's local here uh, to show me, uh, you know, some podcasting software editing uh, tool, uh, Audacity. And then... You know, I spent a couple hours with him one night. We recorded an episode of his podcast. He kind of showed me the editing. And then he's like, well, why are we doing all this? He goes, I should just have you come in and be my co-host on like these, you know, little half hour, you know, retrospectives. We did the one on, on Thin Lizzy because it was, uh, oh, it's going to be a St. Patrick's Day episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, that's great. You know, but uh, then I don't hear from him again. <laughs> and he's... Yeah. Uh, and he's got a, a son that's like 18 months old. He's also in a kiss tribute band called oh. Kissin' Time. Uh, you know, so he's kind of a little flighty. Okay. So, yeah, and then I've you... had some pr- family oh, things that yeah. have gone on that, you know. Yeah. So, okay. and you interviewed it... me, what, two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. You you were in between jobs at that point, John. I, oh, okay. Then it was a year and a half 18, ago. Yeah, 18 months ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll use that. I mean, speaking of Eric Miller behind me here, we have the Prince episode you and I did with him that he's never put out for the six-pack. I think he's done. It's a I shame. Know. I, I love you, Eric. I wish you, I wish you found your, your mojo, your podcasting mojo again. I know. Uh, I miss those days. It was a fun outlet being with him and playing those songs and everything like that. And, uh, but I think he's over it. He's sick of, he's sick of uh, editing. I know that for sure. sure. And he's, um, he's just, he's got a couple of jobs now. He's busy doing other things. I miss him. I miss those things. They were fun. Yeah. And, and he still know- has like, same with you. He's got like <laughs> three or four other ones of me that are, are in his, you know, that never came out. Right. Joe Roy- he and Joe Royland and I were going to do an in excess series we recorded the first one and that never came out and, and uh, there's more you and what bj and eric did the billy squire and you only got like three yeah four we never finished deep. well no we we did quite a few i think we still had like three or four left okay. and we never picked that one back up uh he and i and henning mike milky i never know how to say henning's last name sorry henning we recorded a six-pack of steve winwood that never came out mm. he's got a bunch of other ones for of that never anyway i don't think they ever will it's a shame yeah oh and then craig eric and i did the 
uh, uh, Mickey Dolan's of the monkeys because they were going to do all four monkeys mm-hmm. as individual ones. So he he's got stuff. Yeah, he's he's oh. done. He's over it. Um, okay, well, hopefully yours comes around because I know you've got a lot of fun stories. You're just a wealth of fun, odd trivia that is so cool, and you need to share this with the world. I'm a mile wide and an inch deep, John. That's fine. That's fine. Aren't we all? Aren't we <laughs> and, all? And, I, and, and I can only do so many Giant Rivers episodes, though. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, okay, do we only... every Johnny Rivers album. It'll take me. You could. Next... He would love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Him and you'd have like I'm sure tons of listeners. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, let's see. Okay, so we only ever got one other question. It's from uh, Brian Morris, and he asked after the amazing Paula Cold up. Paula Cole episode, really one of the best ever. Thank you, Brian. What other 1990s female singer songwriters would you like to interview? Tori Amos would be atop my wish list. Uh, mm. Truth be told, I mean, I've reached out to many of those people several times. I had a, I had an in for Sean Colvin. She mm. turned me down. I'm a huge Sean Colvin fan. I love her. Uh, I forgive me, whoever you are, if you're still listening. One of my listeners knew Joan Osborne. And put in a good word for me with Joan. That never happened. Um, I've reached out to the Indigo Girls a few times. That's never happened. Um, I uh, yes, I know. I need to see about getting more of those people on. It, it has been. I say this a lot. For whatever reason, it is difficult to get women, yep. more women on the show, and R and B artists are yeah. so hard. And I hate that because I would love to ha- talk to so many of both of them. And uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're ultra protective. Maybe they, ju- they just don't, they're not savvy on social media. I don't know, but it's difficult for, uh, believe me, me, Pat, Steve Cooper, Noel Fogelman, we all talk about this. And whenever we can land a woman, it's like, yes, I got a- another female on the show. It's difficult. I don't know why. Uh, I, again, you just did the Paula Cole this week. Uh, tre- tremendous episode. Oh, thank great. you. Thank um, you. I was happy with how that turned out too. Again, I don't go deep with her, but what I know I love. And just the other day, an email popped up saying that she's coming to town uh, for a show, but they have her on with someone else. And I didn't recognize the lady's name. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I still have it on my phone, but uh, so anyway, she's coming to Minneapolis. Great. Um so she's getting out there good. and uh, the songs he played that, uh, you know, the one sex song, I was like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> song. I might have to pull that up on Spotify right. later. Yeah. She's a great, she's a talented lady. I think people, um, I mean, we will probably talk all about this on the next recap too, but I think people know her primarily from, I don't want to wait. And I yeah. think most people are probably sick to death of that song. And so they may not care about her or discredit her or kind of toss her aside. Like, Oh, you're the, I don't want to wait lady. And I'm sick <laughs> of that song. So I don't care. But if you ignore that one and go beyond it, there's plenty of really beautiful stuff in there. And she's obviously a really lovely lady. So um, yeah. it turned out nicely. I'm glad. And, and that episode was uh, a little lacking in the numbers this week. And then I started posting it on the Peter Gabriel Facebook groups and it's shot up like 200 downloads in the last, you know, two or three days. So thank you. Yeah. Made the difference. 
I got to tell you, John, if I, I check those episode downloads and if I don't see an episode have at least a thousand, I feel like I'm letting you down. Like there's got to be a thousand people in the world because an average episode, let's let's just say, uh, you know, 700 uh-huh. for, you know, your base, you know, right. You know, in a week or two, 700 downloads. And then as time goes on, more people find it. And I see they eventually, you know, hit the thousand mark. But mm-hmm. like I said, if they don't hit a thousand, I feel like I'm letting you down somehow. That's funny you say that. First of all, um, I feel really naked right now because I don't <laughs> like talking about numbers, but you are going there. So, we'll, and we can't yeah. edit this. So we'll go there as well. Well, people, um, people can see it if they look out. I know they, they the really can. We average about 1500 downloads per episode and most of the episodes that are with bigger names like Dennis DeYoung or whatever uh, usually cross a thousand to 1200 in the first week by themselves and anything that doesn't um, like no offense to like Stan Bush you know Stan Bush didn't hasn't quite hit a thousand downloads yet you know and so uh, it just depends. You can kind of gauge the interest level of people. And I thought more people would really get off on Paula Cole and maybe they yep. don't, I don't know, but it's a really nice episode. I'm really happy with it. Oh yeah. You should be proud of that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Well then I think we're done, Andy. And here's the deal. Like I said, I'm going to turn this off and then I'm going to try and post it right now without uh-huh. any editing, just as it is no songs, no, luckily neither of us had to take a leak or anything like that. <laughs> And uh, uh, well, it's going I, out as is for sure, John. That's true. That's true. I have seen your water <laughs> I, bottle there. <laughs> you've only seen me from you know, like the uh, shoulders up here. Yeah, you're probably wearing one of our official hustle diapers. Which <laughs> is that on Amazon? I have. Yeah, seen I believe that. you can get that on Amazon. Yes. Yeah. T-shirts, pop sockets, and Amazon depends. Sweatshirts. That's or, right. Uh, yep. Hustle depends on Amazon. That's, that'll work. Yeah, you can pee in it all you want. And, um, uh, I, I do need to give a shout out, though. Yes. To to uh, super fans Bill Elam and Jay Sabluski because they're right up there with me as far as spreading the, the love. They are the best. So good guys. Thank you, Jim and or Jay and Bill. We, I'm so grateful for you. And that goes out for everybody else too. And um, not to make this about that, but I'm also very uh, I, a huge thank you to any and all Patreon supporters. Um, I. As I've said before, we have the two tiers. One is $2 a month, and that puts you in the running for any swag I ever get. And I don't get a lot of it, but I'm trying to get more of it. I've got Paula Cole CDs coming. Um, another guest that's coming up in two weeks, I think, two or three weeks. Some CDs of theirs. I'm burping, excuse me, and I can't cut it out. Anyway, so I'm trying my best to get more stuff to give away to everybody. And, um, and so if you want to join up, you can be in the running. And then if you want to do $5 a month, a $5 a month donation, I tell you who I'm interviewing and you can provide any questions if you want. And um, sometimes people send questions that are already on my list and I just intertwine them naturally into the conversation. And sometimes I'll try to make sure I get, shout out your name or whatever. Um, sometimes the question doesn't make sense in the context of the interview, but I do my best to get them all in there. So thank you. Yeah. Again, uh, sympathies to both Yan and uh, Aaron now yeah. as well. So, yeah, Aaron is no longer on uh, social media that I'm aware of. I think he mm-hmm. can that, but give some love to Yan. Um, give him your best. And I think I mentioned this before. I can't remember, but if you aren't Facebook friends with him, but you want to send a message on the Hustles 
message, you know, you've want to send a, a Facebook message to the Hustle Facebook page. He sees all of those and uh, he'll see them. So uh, anyway, thanks for doing this with me, Andy. And thanks for being such a bro and a friend <laughs> and a supporter and everything you do. I'm so grateful to know you. Thank you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> oh, <he's>, oh. <laughs> Got to wipe the, wipe well, the tears away. As, a, as I've always told you in private, you know, I think you do a great job and we're just trying to get the word out to, uh, you know, you do these great interviews and who the hell cares if no one ever hears them. I know. You know, so. I know. I know. Um, and, it, right. and that goes with a lot of you guys as well. You know, the, the Ken's and the Eric's yeah. and the BJ's and the Brad's of the world uh, doing this. It's such this. a fun uh, community and network of people, uh, whether yeah. it's Brian and Sarah with permanent record or oh, yeah, all these guys, great yeah. people that, and new people starting every day. Uh, you know, there are so, as you know, more and more, I mean, new podcasts, everybody <laughs> has a podcast now. And that's fine. I've thought for a while that, they're probably, you have a podcast like you have a, a social media footprint. It's just yep. another, I have a Facebook page. I have an Etsy account. I have a Twitter handle. I've got a podcast. It's just one more expression of everyone's individuality, you know? Sure. And um, I've tried to make this podcast less about me and more about documenting interesting rock history. And hopefully that has happened. I feel good about it. Here, so. here. Okay, well, I'm going to turn this off and I'm going to try and post it right now. Okay. All right, sir. Have a good All night. Right. Good night, Andy. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. We'll see you later. <laughs>